Amen. You guys can be seated. Go ahead and take a seat. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Can we give the worship team a round of applause for being here? Thank you. <clears throat> so, like, none of you guys have to be here. You know, I'm the only person, maybe Neil has to be here too, but we're the only people who have to be here. You guys choose to be here uh, every Sunday, so I appreciate you guys doing that. If I sound like I just smoked a six-pack Camel Light, that's a very specific brand. Oops. That was college years. Um, uh, yeah, I've been sick. I've been sick all week, and uh, I'm still sick. I'm still really, really sick. I had Kirsten, like, rub, va- va- uh, what's it called, Vicks all over me. She didn't, really. I'm just kidding. But uh, I put Vicks all over me, so if I smell minty to you in the front, that's why. So I got Vicks all over me. I got my drink. I got my medicine ball from Starbucks. So uh, I'm going to cough tonight. So if I cough, don't let it distract you. Is that okay? Yeah? Are you guys going to get, you're going to get distracted. It's fine. It, it is what it is. So I'm a little sick, and so if I do cough, don't let it distract you uh, as, as much as possible. I might have to pause, do a little vampire cough, but we'll be okay. Cool? Awesome. So uh, if you guys don't know who I am, my name's Adam Lynch. I'm the young adult pastor here at Connection Point. Uh, super excited that you're here with us. We're st- uh, ending, not starting, we're ending a series uh, on Ephesians. And we've gone, this is a six week, six weeks on a series. Normally I do like one or two part series, uh, but this is a six week series on Ephesians. And we're going to finish tonight uh, in Ephesians chapter six. So if you have your Bibles on your phone uh, or paper Bible, uh, open them up to Ephesians chapter six. And if you're new here, uh, I'm really big on you following, lo- uh, following along in the text. And I'm really big uh, on you taking notes. And so I don't have a lot of uh, points. To, well, I do have a lot of points, but uh, I don't have a lot of notes for you to, to write down. Uh, <clears throat> just a few things that I want you to take away from you, uh, to take away from tonight. Uh, but tonight is going to be different. Uh, tonight is going to be, I'm not going to be as teachy, or I'm not going to be as preachy. I'll probably be a little bit more teachy. I'm probably not going to yell at you as much. Uh, but I really want you to, to really um, understand what I feel like the Lord has for you tonight. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And it's so funny, like, as soon as I sent that mass text out and everything, like, that's when I started getting sick. And so <clears throat> I believe God is better than the sickness. He's bigger than the sickness, so we're going to get through it uh, tonight. And, like, this Surface Pro has been shutting down, so I got paper notes. So, hey, we'll, we'll just keep throwing everything you can. God is bigger. Um, and so, yeah, we're in Ephesians 6. And, uh, but before we get into that uh, tonight, who's been in a real fight? Like a real fist fight? Not, not in middle school. Not in, well, middle school counts. Anybody like being in a real fight? Okay, cool. Uh, I've, never, I've been in a couple fights, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, I've been in a couple fights too. Uh, I remember in college, uh, we had this thing in uh, the dorm rooms called Fight Night. And it was very much against like school policy. <coughs> but uh, I remember it was like this like little dorm room. And there would be 50 guys just packed into this dorm room. They'd push everything to the side and guys would just like wail on each other. It was awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember I had a fight with one of my friends that night. And, uh, oh, man, I remember uh, it was just crazy because you got all these people, you know, and, like, I, oh, man. So I remember all these people are cheering, and, and we're fighting. And, like, if you've never been in a fight uh, and you don't work out, it, 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 even if you do work out, like, holy cow. Like, people who wrestle are in the best shape ever. Because, I mean, fighting, 30 seconds. We did, like, I think we did, like, 30-second rounds. I mean, because it was just so tiring. So I remember I was fighting one of my good friends. And uh, he's, like, 6'3". He's taller than me. And so we went the first round. And he would not let me, like, get in on him and, like, hit him, you know. 
And so, <laughs> I sound really cool when I share, share the story. Uh, so I like, so like second round, I was just kind of like sick of it. I was really tired too, you know. And I was like, okay, I just got to end this real quick. And so I remember I snuck in there, like I let him hit me in the face, and then I came up and smoked him right in, like on the side of the face, and he went down and didn't move. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like he blacked out for three seconds. And I was like, I just killed my friend. I just killed my friend. Oh my gosh. So like the room was quiet. Like, just drop dead quiet. And so he finally started to move, and he got up, and he instantly, like, had, like, the swelling, and, it, like, he had a massive black eye. And it was so terrible. Like, I, it was really cool talking about now, but, like, back then, I was so scared. And I actually have never been, okay, I was in one other fight besides that after that. But besides that, I never hit anybody again because that was, like, so crazy. And so I'm sure you have stories of fighting, too, maybe with a sibling. Uh, maybe you have stories uh, you know, punching your little brother or your sister or something. But the point is, uh, whether you've been in an actual fight or not, all of us have been in some sort of fight at one time or another. You know, maybe you've been fighting for a job, you know, or fighting to get into a certain school. Or maybe you've been fighting, you know, just for your life. You know, maybe you know someone who's battled cancer and they're literally in a fight for their life. We've all been in some sort of fight, and tonight I'm going to talk about a fight that we don't normally talk about in church world, but I'm going to talk about uh, the spiritual fight that we're all in every single day. Whether we know it or not, you and I are in a spiritual fight every single day. And so tonight I'm going to talk about spiritual warfare. I'm going to talk about what it is. Uh, so yeah, what is it? What is spiritual warfare? And you can write this down, it's not on the screen, but spiritual warfare, I say, is uh, a battle between Satan, his demons, God, his angels, and us. So if this is your first time, and you're not really a church, like, it's going to get heavy. So, yay, welcome, woo! I don't know, I just can't talk about simple stuff. Anyways, so that's what spiritual warfare is. And what's the battle for? The battle's for every single person, every single soul. And here's the thing that, you, you know, here's the thing. The war is already over, okay? So when Jesus, Jesus won the war uh, when he resurrected three days later. Like when they put him on the cross, you know, like the, the demons and Satan are like, oh my gosh, we, might, we did this, we did this, you know? But on that third day when he came out of the grave, the, the war was over, okay? But what we're talking about, like Satan knows where his destination is, okay? Satan doesn't think that he's going to win in the end. Satan doesn't think that, oh, maybe if I get this many people that I'm going to, you know, dethrone Jesus from heaven. No, no, no. Satan knows his place. He knows where he's going. But there's a battle that happens every single day. So the war is over, but the battle is every single day. And so Satan is going to come after you, and he's going to come after me every single day. Because, you see, Satan hates everything that is good. He hates everything that God loves. So who is Satan? Satan was an angel. Satan was an angel created by God. He is one of the most beautiful angels. If you look it up in Scripture, it says that he is one of the most beautiful angels, adorn, like beautifully adorned. And then he had this thought one day, hey, I can be just like the Most High. I'm going to be better than the Most High, which is another name for God. And so Satan rebelled against God. And he took a third of the angels with him. So God kicked him out of heaven. A lot of you know the story. And so now Satan hates everything that God loves. And what is the apple of God's eye? You. And so you 
just being created by the Heavenly Father, have a target on your back from the devil. And so tonight we're going to talk about what does spiritual warfare look like. And see, one thing you have to understand too, like, Satan is not more powerful than God. James 2.9 says, uh, James says, you believe that there's one God good. Even the, demon, uh, the demons believe that and shudder. Okay? So the demons shudder, Satan shudders at God, at, at, the, at the name of Jesus. Okay? So he doesn't believe that he's more powerful than God. So maybe you're sitting here thinking, you're like, how, how does, how does spirit, spiritual warfare get represented? Uh, sometimes it gets represented in... <laughs> This is really deep, but like actual demon possession, actual demon possession. I remember I was 10 years old, 11 years old. I was at a church in Toledo. We just started going to church, and uh, it was a Sunday night, and uh, Sunday night's the most spiritual night. Anyways, <coughs> just because we're in here. Anyways, uh, so we were praying. The pastor was praying for people, and I remember I was standing next to this guy, and uh, he was looking normal and stuff. He was just down there for prayer, and... Uh, so the pastor's praying and praying, and like as like as the pastor gets closer and closer and closer to this guy, this guy like starts like moving weird, and I'm like, I'm gonna go like this, go over here, and so, so the pastor goes to pray for him, and the guy like shrinks back and like it, like changes almost like changes like his like his face, you know, and he just started screaming and shouting suicide, and so he would come back like this and scream suicide, and he'd come back and be like. Well, what's happening? And then the possession, <laughs> you guys' faces are awesome right now. So then, so like he would shrink back and then he'd come back and like, help me, help me, help me. And so the pastor and like some people took him to another room and they prayed and they cast the demon out. Like you read in the New Testament, that really happened. And uh, so the guy came back and it was awesome. Like the church like celebrated and the demon was cast out. But that's somehow, sometimes how spiritual warfare uh, happens. Sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a real demonic oppression. For me, a lot of times, it's a constant attack of negative thoughts. You know, have you, ever, have you ever been in bed at night? You don't have to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But have you ever been in bed at night and you're just laying there and you're like, you should shoot yourself? Or have you ever been driving and just been like, you should pull the car over into the other lane? And you're like, what? That's stupid. That's crazy. That's, a, that's an attack. That's a spiritual attack. I get that all the time. It could be just, you're no good. You're sitting in class, like, or you're at work, you know? It's like, you're dumb. You're like, what? Whatever. It, that's a spiritual attack. I wish we could see the spiritual attack. I wish we could see the spiritual battle that's happening in this room right now. I wish we could see the battle that, that, that is happening right now for you to hear the message tonight. Sometimes Satan will use other people to entice you into sin. We don't have to talk more about that, but you understand what I'm saying. So spiritual warfare happens all the time. It's happening right now. And spiritual battles are not a new thing. Spiritual warfare is not a new thing. In Genesis, when Satan rebelled against God, he, he led Adam and Eve into sin. He took on the form of, of a serpent and led them into sin, which was imputed uh, given to all of their offspring. In Luke twenty two thirty one, Jesus is at the Last Supper, and he's, ta and, he's, and he's doing the whole Last Supper thing, you know, like 
I'm going to leave, and I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified. And in Luke 22, 31, if you want to throw that up real quick, it says, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all, uh, to sift all of you as wheat. And it goes on to say that Jesus prayed against that. So we see, like here, there's this constant battle, like Satan's trying to sift people, trying to sift people. John 13, 27 says, uh, as soon as Judas took the bread, this is at the Last Supper, Satan entered into him. And so Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. So now we see that there's some sort of like physical manifestation that can happen. In the New, in the New Testament, in the early church, Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, he says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive, and what I have forgiven and what I have forgiven. If there was uh, anything to forgive, this is kind of weird how I wrote it. Uh, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And this is what I want you to hear. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth saying, Satan has schemes and we know what they are. And so Paul is going to tell us in Ephesians what we can do to join in this battle, this spiritual battle to help combat Satan in our lives. And we see these schemes that Satan has to their assignments to destroy you and to destroy me. And like this is a serious thing. Um, in 1 Peter 5, 8, uh, Peter wrote, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, uh, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, here's the thing. In Christian world, if you know Jesus, like you usually land on one or two sides of this thing. On one side, you're like, Satan is under every bad situation that's ever happened to me. Well, one is, you know, sometimes it's like Satan isn't under every rock. Like sometimes you made a bad decision and that's what happened. And then there's this other dimension, this other thought, which I think a lot of mainline Christian people are at, where we just don't even think about the spiritual battle. Like we don't even think, you know, like we don't even think about, hey, maybe we, maybe we should pray for that. Maybe we should, maybe we should figure out how to combat the spiritual battle that's taking place. And so that's what I want to do tonight. I want to take from the text in Ephesians what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. I want to read this to you and give you what Paul wrote to them. So uh, Ephesians 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. It's eight verses. Hang in there. We're going to get through it. <coughs> Paul says, are you guys there? I'm not in a hurry. You guys good? Okay, cool. And it's on screen. Uh, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after, uh, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the, the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So what do we learn from this? 
Okay, I'm going to fly through this really quickly, but what do we learn from this? Number one is be strong in God, don't be strong in yourself. Be strong in God, not in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and his might, not in your own might. You see, so many times we try to fight spiritual battles. We try to fight things that are going on in our life, and we never include God in it. And so Paul says, right away, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. Because we are no match for Satan by ourselves. We were never, we were never created to take on Satan by ourselves. But we can be strong in the Lord who fights our battles for us. Number two, spiritual warfare is coming or is already come in your life. It's coming or it's already happening. And see, some of you may be in the midst of it right now. Some of you in your life may be in the midst of a terrible fight that you've never thought you would be in. Maybe it's some sort of, I don't know, some sort of oppression in your thoughts, in your thought life. Maybe he's using other people to try to get at you. But some of you in this room tonight are in a battle like you've never been in before. <coughs> and on the other hand, there's people in this room tonight where you've given up the fight. There's people in this room tonight where you've given up the fight because the oppression, the negative thoughts, the depression has been coming at you for so long, you've given up. You said, I'm done. You said, I'm done. And that's what I want to do tonight is I want to awaken the warrior inside of you. I want to awaken the Holy Spirit that is inside of you, saying, fight again. Because all the enemy wants to do is take the fight out of you and kill it. All he wants to do is take the fight out of you and kill it. So you won't pray anymore, so you won't share Jesus with people other more, so you won't go to the church anymore, so you won't go to net anymore, so you don't go to small groups anymore, so you get to a place where you're like, I don't want to read my Bible because it doesn't do anything for me. Why should I pray? Because nothing happens. There's some of you in this room tonight where you have lost the battle, and I'm saying, arise, O sleeper, arise, warrior of God, arise, because the battle's not over. The war's over, but the battle's not over. God has so much more in store for you than you could ever imagine. So stop losing the fight. Stop losing the fight. Stop losing the fight. We, oh, man, I'm just going to teach tonight. I'm just going to teach tonight. I'm just going to teach tonight. <clears throat> so if you're in that place, take out your sinking phone. Damn, Take out your phone and write these things down because I want you to have these things that you can go to battle with, okay? Number three is <clears throat> number three is Satan's only job. Satan's job is to be an accuser. Satan's job is to be an accuser of all mankind. That's who he is. That's what he does. Is he is an accuser of you and he's accuser of me. Zechariah chapter three, verses one through two. It says, then he showed, okay. Then he says, then he showed me Joshua. I don't have time to get into all the background, but... <laughs> Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus, and Satan standing on his right side to, to accuse him. So Satan and Jesus, this is kind of crazy. So Satan and Jesus stand on, on each side of Joshua, and it says Satan's there to accuse uh, Joshua. Then the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatch from the fire? So Satan's only job 
is to accuse you for every wrong thing you've ever done. And Jesus' job is to say, shut up. Shut up. Yeah, but he did this. I don't care. It's covered. Yeah, but they did this when they were in high school. Shut up. Sit down. Yeah, but you don't know about all the things they think about. Shut up. Sit down. Covered. Satan's only job is to be the accuser of your life. And, <laughs> and it's pretty cool who we have on our, on our side. Number four, our responsibility is putting on the armor of God. Can I take a drink real quick? <laughs> I see you guys all feeling sorry for me. Okay, our responsibility is putting on the armor of God. And so this is God's plan for you to fight your spiritual battles. I'm not going to tell you to take out your phones and take these notes. But please take out your phones and take these notes. Please. Or paper, whatever. This is God's plan for you to fight your spiritual battles. This is plan A, okay? There's no plan B. This is plan A. The first, the first thing is to put on the belt of truth. He says put on the belt of truth. And this is the truth of who you are and, who, and the truth of who God is, okay? When Satan stands beside you and he accuses you, God says, no, no, no. The truth is you're a son of God. You're a child of God. Satan's like, no, he's an addict. No, child of God. He's a loser. No, child of God. So put on the belt of truth. The truth of who you are, the truth of who God is. The truth of, of knowing God, his heart, his ways. Put on the belt of truth, of really knowing him. The second thing he says it's put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the uh, breastplate of righteousness. And this is basically right living. Like put on this, this righteousness. Like guard your heart. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 uh, was written by Solomon. And he says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. <coughs> and so he says, put on this breastplate of righteousness. So, so guard your heart. Guard what you do. Live, live rightly. Don't, don't give a foothold for Satan to grab onto. Obey God. Obey God's word. Above all else, guard your heart. So put on this breastplate of righteousness. I hope you're writing these things down. <clears throat> Number three, feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This is so good. This is so, so good. So what Paul is saying here. It's put on, put on these things that you can take with, like, everywhere you go, everywhere you walk, you have this readiness and this peace of the gospel. Because you know your sinful state, you know who you used to be, and now you know, now you know how Jesus took your place. See, that's like Paul's been writing this the whole time in Ephesians. Like, don't forget who you used to be. And so Paul says this again, like, let the peace of knowing that the gospel has saved you go with you everywhere you go. Go with you everywhere you go. I could talk a lot more about that. <coughs> number five, or number four is put on the shield of faith. I love this one. The shield of faith is believing when you can't see. Put on the shield of faith. God, I don't see how this situation is going to work out, but I'm going to put on the shield of faith, and I'm going to believe that you're going to open the door that I can't see being opened. 
God, I don't know how you're going to heal my mom, but I'm going to believe that you're going to heal her. God, I don't see a way out of this situation, but I'm going to believe even though I can't see it. Even though I can't see a way out from paying my school loans, God is going to help me. God is going to help me pay my school loans. God, I don't see how you're ever going to give me a spouse. And he says, go to the net this summer because they're doing a series called Swipe Right. <laughs> so, so this whole summer we're doing a series called Swipe Right, and uh, it's going to be about dating, and I'll tell you who to date. So anyways, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we are doing a dating series this whole summer. It's called Swipe Right. So hopefully you don't know what that means, Swipe Right, Tinder. Anyways, <laughs> shield, where am I at? Shield of faith? Shield of faith. Walking when you can't see. Walking when you can't see. God, I know, I know you're calling me here. I don't want to go there, but I'm going to start walking even though I can't see it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> God, I know you want me. I, I don't know why I always go here, but I feel like I'm supposed to. Like, I know you want me to break up with them, and I'm scared I'm never going to have somebody else, but I'm going to do it because I know you have someone better. Yeah. Not that there's something wrong, something wrong with that person. It's just not right for you, and you're not right for them. <clears throat> Number five, put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of, of salvation. This is amazing. This is amazing. Like, Paul is so good. He says, put on the helmet of salvation. Basically, like, be, having been born again, remember the transformation that has happened in your life and trust it. Like, trust the salvation that's in your life. Because if you've been a Christian for a day or for a long time, Satan's always going to come at you, and maybe he doesn't to you, but I, he's going to come at you and be like, you're not really saved. You're not re you're not, you don't really know him. You're not really saved. And Paul says, wherever you go, when Satan starts throwing these attacks at you, you can put on the helmet of salvation, say, no, Satan, I know I'm saved. I know the good work that he did on the cross will continue all of my life. So put on the helmet of salvation. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you guys live la-di-da lives, but I get thrown stuff all the time. And here's the thing, like, and I hate to say this. I hate to say this, but I got to be honest. I heard a past, another pastor say this, and so I can blame it on him. But it's pretty tough. Like, if Satan's not messing with you, it's because he's already got you. If Satan's already messing with you, why would he, why would he mess with people that he's already got? You know, like Paul says, we know his schemes, you know, no wonder the first time you came to the net or the first time you gave or when you gave your life to Christ, no wonder stuff started happening. When you leave tonight, something's going to happen this week. When you go home, when you're at home, whenever you're doing, something's going to happen. It's because Satan wants to pluck out the goodness, the, the good word that is planted in you tonight. And I hope that you'll use these things that we're talking about tonight. Like the helmet of salvation. Or number six, this is a good one. This is a good one. The sword of the spirit. It says, take on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Which is the truth of God. So when Satan comes at you. <coughs> and says you're not really saved. You can go to his word. And read. Whoever confesses with their mouth. Trust in the heart that Jesus is Lord will be saved. 
See, it says right there, Satan, I'm saved. Because I've, I've done those things. And my life's been changed. And I live differently. Maybe Satan will come at you and be like, hey, you're an addict. And you're going to be an addict for the rest of your life. You can take that word and be like, whoever the sun sets free is free. It says it right there. So, sorry. Not true. Not true. Take the word. Take the word. Whatever Satan's throwing at you, show him the word. It says you're a nobody. Always going to be alone. Always going to be alone. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Not alone. How often are we doing that in our lives? Like we have this book in our phone. We have this book that sits on our shelves, on our shelves, and gets dusty. All the while we're sitting there, we're on our phones, and we're like, can you throw me your phone? <coughs> like we're on our phone. Man, this happened just like last night. We're, my wife, she's not here, so I can talk about her. Don't miss the net. No, I'll talk about you. Um, she's on her phone. She's on her phone. She's scrolling through Instagram, and she starts getting really upset. I'm like, why are you so upset? And she's like, I'm just, not, I'm just not good. All these people are doing all these things. And I'm, just a, I'm just a mom. And I'm not even a really good mom, you know. And she's like, I just thought I'd be so much further from now, blah, blah, blah. And she's just going through this. And I'm like, honey, because I had this in my head. At one time, I was a good husband. I was like, what does the word say? I brought her back to the word. It says, you're a child of God. You're a child of the most high you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Like he had thoughts about you before you were ever created. When he was on the cross, he was thinking of all of us. He died for you. The son of God, the son of God died for you. If he just dropped one blood droplet for you, that'd be way too much for me too. But he died for you and for me. And how many times do we just sit there scrolling on our stupid phones, comparing ourselves to people on Instagram? I don't travel enough. This person's traveling. I don't have a good job. Like, like I'm worthless. And we have all these thoughts, and we just, we just scroll and just scroll. And all the time, all the while, our Bible's, like, sitting on our desk collecting dust. And God's like, just read that. Just read that. Because all those feelings you're having when you're scrolling... That's contrary to what's in here. It's contrary to what's in his word. Because he says, I love you. You are fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made. I have plans for you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Like I have so much in store for you. But we just sit there and we're just like, you know, like, like we like get numb. And so I would just w urge you, instead of just doing, doing this, when those thoughts come in, man, don't zone out. Don't zone out. Zoom, <laughs> yeah, don't zone out, but start opening up your word, man. And if you're like, I'm battling with this, type in Google verses for this, and it will show you what you should read. It's amazing. It's amazing when Satan comes at you with one thing and you speak scripture to him. Jesus did this in the, in the, in the desert. I don't know if you all know the story, but Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. And <laughs> 40 days without bread, 40 days without food or water, okay? And then Satan appears on the 40th day, and he's like, hey, Jesus, uh, why don't you turn that boulder into some bread? Oh, that's a big piece of bread, but 
He's like, I want you to turn that into bread. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't, oh, Jesus doesn't be like, he, he, he doesn't like acknowledge Satan. Like he, doesn't, like he doesn't come up with his own thing. He speaks scripture to Satan. It says, man does not live on bread alone. Woo. And Satan's like, oh, okay, I got to find something else. And then there's two other things that I forgot. But that's what, that's what God wants you to do. When he throws stuff in your life, you throw scripture right back at him. You're not going to hear it audibly, but if these thoughts start coming up, you go straight to the word because it's living and active. Lastly, I'm going to ask the band to wait a second. Number seven, <laughs> number seven, to fight these spiritual battles, we have to have prayer. And you can feel like prayer is a throwaway thing, but prayers, <laughs> it's huge. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just being like, oh, prayer, then, okay, let's move on, sing and close. No, prayer is how we talk to God. Prayer is how we talk to the Almighty. And when you pray, he hears you. He hears you. There's a story in Daniel, Daniel 10. Uh, and, and Daniel is praying for, oh, man, it's so good. I wish I had more time. Um, anyways, in Daniel 10, uh, Daniel's praying for his city and for his people, and <clears throat> uh, nothing happened. And then 21 days later, this angel showed up and started talking to Daniel and said, from the moment you began to pray, like God heard your prayers and sent me, but I was caught up in a spiritual battle. But Daniel continued to pray, continued to pray. And like his prayers helped him fight the powers of darkness. And I just wonder, how many times do we quit on just one? Like one prayer and it's like over. Continually pray. Or how many times do we not even pray about something? <clears throat> and so here it says, like present all these requests, all, all different requests to the Lord. Like if Satan's throwing stuff at you, start praying about it. Start praying about it. What does he say? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Present these things to the Lord. I was thinking about this last night. I'm like, how many times have I just, like, suffered through things and never prayed about it? Like Jesus said, like, you have not because you ask not. It's like, uh, no, duh. And so when, when, those, when you're feeling defeated, when you're feeling this oppression, when the spiritual battle is happening, just start praying. I'll do this at night, man. Satan attacks me a lot at night. When I'm laying in bed, he'll just start hammering me with thoughts and, that are just clearly not for me. And I'll just say out loud, like, Jesus, Jesus. Like, Jesus, guard my heart. Jesus, guard my mind. Jesus, Drive out what's not supposed to be here. Drive out what's not supposed to be here. And it's amazing how many times you'll feel that relief in, like that. I do it all the time. When I'm driving, I'll start feeling that, feeling it, feeling it. Jesus, drive out what's not supposed to be here. <coughs> Before we have the net, we always pray that God would cancel every assignment that would come against everybody in this room. Like even, even right now, there's people praying for you that Satan would not get to you right now so you could hear this good word. So I challenge you to pray. Pray for those things. Um, okay, band, come on up. Sorry for the false, the false things. I'm going to give these seven to you real quick <coughs> so you have them. First thing is put on the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth, which is God's word. And knowing, 
knowing who you are, knowing who God is, the breastplate of righteousness, which is right living and guarding your heart, feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It's carrying the gospel with you, knowing that who you used to be is not who you are anymore. The shield of faith, saying, I'm going to walk, even though I can't see what he has for me. I'm gonna, he told me to go. I'm going to go. The helmet of salvation, saying, no, Satan. You keep saying I'm not, but I am. I may mess up. I may be really messy, but I, I do know him. I am saved. So here's the thing. You don't have to be all clean and neat to follow Jesus. See, a lot of people won't come to church because they're like, I got to get my life together before I come to Christ. And Jesus is like, dude, just come on and we'll figure it out later. Like we'll figure it out along, as we go along. But you're never going to be perfect. Don't let Satan tell you that you're not saved because you messed up. He's a liar. Sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Take out that word and say to Satan, no, I'm not worthless because I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not an addict because it says right here, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And then lastly, prayer. Prayer is not a throwaway. Paul says it last because I think it's most important. Pray. This is a crazy story. I'm sorry, Bam, but this is a crazy story. <coughs> when I was uh, 10 years old, you can believe it or not, I don't really care. When I was 10 years old, uh, my family was going through a lot of stuff. It was the first time my parents were separated. Uh, and my mom, she's a prayer warrior, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, we were praying, and she's like, Adam, come here and pray. She's like, grab me, you know. <laughs> my mom was awesome. So she just grabbed me and be like, get need to start praying. I'm like, what are we praying about? She's like, just follow me. I'm like, okay. <coughs> so we're praying. My sister's praying. My older sister's praying. And she starts praying in the spirit. And I'll tell you what that means some other time, someday probably. And uh, so she's praying. And she starts saying like, Jesus, like, uh, Jesus, what'd she say? Jesus, drive out Satan. Because you could feel the just oppression in our house. Like you could, you could just feel how... Just this, the weight of everything that was going on. Like, parent, my, my dad lost his job, took off. My mom's trying to make it work. Like, it's just really tough, really tough. And, like, it's just a lot of stuff going on. And she's like, Jesus, drive Satan away. Jesus, drive Satan out of this place. And I remember it was the fifth or sixth time. Do you guys remember landline phones? Y'all remember those? Yeah, okay. So if you're 18 uh, or younger, a landline is something that connected to the wall. Anyways, I didn't know. I forgot. <coughs> so anyways, so like a landline would like sit in this thing, right? And so I remember the fifth or sixth time she said that, the phone, <laughs> you guys are going think I'm crazy, but like the phone rang, it like jumped, and then fell on its side. And then in an instant, you could feel the peace of God in that house. I don't know why he escaped through a phone. I don't know if he did, but all I know is something happened on the fifth or sixth time she said, Jesus, drive Satan away. And the peace of God fell on that house. It's a battle. Y'all, there's a battle every single day for you and for the people around you. Awaken yourself. That's all Satan wants to do is take the fight out of you and kill it. Don't let him. Let the warrior rise up. I'm going to end with this. In 2 Kings, you don't have to turn there, but in 2 Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 6, 
Elisha is in a house in a city. Don't put it up yet. He's, uh, sorry, that sounded rude, but he's in a house, and, and this, this house is surrounded <coughs> by a, a vast army. And so the first night, his, his like coworker, servant person was like, Elisha, we are surrounded. We are going to die. And Elisha's like, nah, man, we're all right. We're cool. Just chill. And it happened again. He's like, Elisha, like, we are surrounded. What are we going to do? And so we'll pick up the story. <coughs> Second Kings 6, 15 through 17 says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. <coughs> oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? How many times have you said that in your life? Take it off screen. Like, oh, no, God, what are we going to do? God, what are we going to do? This person, I, I lost my job, or I didn't get into that school, or my parents got divorced, or this happened, or this. God, what are we going to do? How many times have you said that? How many times have I said that in my life? The servant asked, what are we going to do? Verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. <coughs> those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The story goes on that God, that Elisha just prayed that God would blind the army so they could move out, and they got out safely. But Elijah prayed that the servant would see, not with human eyes, but with spiritual eyes, what is really happening. He prayed that he would see the spiritual warfare that was happening. He was praying that, that, that the servant would see that is greater, that greater is he who is with them than he who is against them. And this is my prayer for every single person in this room, is that God would open your eyes that he who is in you is greater than he who comes against you. My prayer is that God would open up your spiritual eyes to see in the spiritual realms that he is for you. He may let you struggle a little bit, but he is for you. Every struggle is meant to push you closer to God. Every spiritual battle is meant to push you closer to Jesus. And so will you rise up? Will you allow the warrior inside you to rise up? And here's just another little tidbit. Satan reveals his fear by how he attacks you and what he attacks. Maybe the things that, that he attacks in your life is the thing that God's trying to use in your life to get you where he wants you to go, to help you fulfill your destiny. <clears throat> he attacks my confidence, attacks all this stuff, trying to keep me from ministry. There's so many things I can tell you. When I was born, the, <laughs> the umbilical cord is wrapped around my neck twice. Like he's been trying to kill me since I was a baby. And there's things that he's been trying to do for you too. So maybe those, see, that's what's the thing about Satan. He's, he's tipping his hat. Every time he attacks you in a certain way, he's revealing what, 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 is, what scares him. And so I say lean into those things. Lean into those things that he tries to attack in you. 
And as I close for the second time, open your eyes to see that he who is with you is greater than all the things that come against you. Let's stand and sing.